Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast, I'm Tom Barbelay, and today, how did I get into wargaming? It's a kind of three-prong story. The first part is that I spent an inordinate amount of my childhood at the Australian War Memorial, which was a large military history museum. So I already had a keen sense of warfare, the First World War, the Second World War, to a lesser extent the Boer War, to a lesser extent the Vietnam conflict in the same form, although I had some understanding of the Vietnam conflict as a relatively young child. So I've always had an interest in warfare, but my interest came from distinctly pacifist roots. The Australian War Memorial, for me, and I've said this in prior short funks, but I'll say it again, was an homage to the stupidity of humanity, the thought that people through my life would go to war struck me as just an impossibility through my childhood. Yes, there were conflicts that were going on. There was Afghanistan and things like this and a variety of things in the Middle East and Lebanon and, you know, there were wars still, but this was just a group of humans that were, you know, being a little slow to catch up with the general remit that humanity wasn't going to be fighting each other going into the future. This was just a stupid folly. And the Australian War Memorial represented that to me in a very fundamental way. Through my early childhood, I had a group of friends that were incredibly intelligent. And these people would go on to be like the people that broke standardized testing and things like that. I wasn't one of these until I was kind of a, I don't know, a hanger on, a groupie perhaps. But what this enabled me to do was spend a lot of time with kids that were, you know, reading novels at age six and seven. And when I was about seven or eight, I started doing these strange games, which I realized were released by Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson, who created Games Workshop. Strange kind of choose-your-own-adventure games where you had stats. It was basically role-playing, but in a very confined form through books. And I did this with my friends through the end of grade school, so probably from age 9 through to about 12. And when I was about 10, my parents were still married, so I must have been either 9 or 10, my father took me to a national war games convention. It was called CanCon. It's still run to this day. We had family friends in Adelaide whose children would come to CanCon. It was big for anyone who was interested in like role playing games or war gaming or all this kind of stuff. And I attended with my father age 10 and we went round and we looked at some of these toy soldiers. They had reenactors. They weren't LARPers. They were actual reenactors reenacting battles outside. And then we went inside and we saw the various kind of role-playing game setups. And then we saw military war games being played on tabletops. And I realized at the time, I think my father quite incessantly went over to where they were selling the metal toy soldiers and pointed out to me that they were incredibly expensive, which meant that it wasn't likely that we would be able to do this. But I already... I guess when I was about seven, eight, nine, I already spent time with my father painting Airfix plastic toy soldiers. And we never did it to a great extent. I think we painted some Romans and some Britons and these kind of things. And I don't know, I had various toy soldiers that uh, represented, you know, my grandfather who was in the 8th Army uh, in North Africa. And I think I had some Africa Corps soldiers as well. And I had a set of plastic commandos. These soldiers are long gone. However, I've repurchased the matchbox boxes of these toy soldiers. So I have a small number as an homage to my toy soldier interest origins. 
my parents were divorced when I was 11 and basically my financial situation never really improved up until I was about, well, up until I was about 15. I used to mow a lot of lawns as my primary source of income and my friends all had either family in the UK or a decent, you know, decent pocket money source. So many of them were able to buy elaborate, you know, lead toy soldiers, miniatures, fantasy Toy soldiers. I had a collection of maybe half a dozen to a dozen, and they were very, very precious to me. When I turned 17, I think I talked a little bit maybe about the time that I was going to Israel and the whole scenario associated with going to Israel, but I gave away all my toy soldiers except for a small number, which I think actually I probably had through other means, like I either purchased them when my friend went to work for Games Workshop, it was after I was 17. But when I was 17, I gave away basically all my role-playing games and everything Toy Soldier-related that I owned to this girl who I was going to Israel with brother. And, yeah, who knows whatever happened to that stuff. Well, I know what happened to it. Went to this kid. But, yeah, I had no connection with the kid after the situation with his sister. So, yes, it was all gone, basically. My interest in wargaming stopped when I was probably about 13, coming in contact with adult wargamers. There was a wargaming society that I would go to. I rarely had enough anything to play. I just would go and observe. I had the luxury of eating Kentucky Fried Chicken Burgers, or as they call in this country, chicken sandwiches. So it was young, well, as an early teenager, the excitement of having a Kentucky Fried Chicken Burger and some Kentucky Fried Chicken French fries was just an amazing culinary treat for me. And it also represented a time away from my parents when they were going through divorce. My weekends mandated had to be spent with my father and my stepmother. And this wasn't a time that was particularly pleasant for me. I really didn't want to spend time with them. So I utilized a short number. I probably only attended maybe half a dozen of these wargaming, what was it called? The Canberra Game Society was what it was called. And through that experience, I saw adults behaving very, very infantily. They also stank. They had, like, body odor and stuff. And this whole toy soldier wargaming thing just had this harsh reality associated with it. Now, in parallel to this, a number of my friends continued to play these wargames. It's still very passionate. When I went back to Canberra, Australia, I met up with Anthony Bean. He may be a listener. He's at least on the Short Funk Facebook page. And he has very... Fond memories associated with this wargaming society, although he too was going through a divorce and various parental hassles associated with that. But yeah, I was pretty well against wargaming from that period of time. My friend got a job at Games Workshop, like I said. I'd go in, but like the manager would harass me because I'd come from work. I worked at the research school, the physical sciences and engineering, and I was studying at university at the time. And the manager, who would have been maybe a year older than me, just looked at me as if, like, I was stealing these very precious miniatures. And it was just a very curious time in my life because I was catching up with my friend and then also having to deal with the store's manager, who was very, very bizarre. Fast forward through to when I was about 25, probably the year that I was married. I got a... Well, I went into a newsagent and I picked up a white dwarf, which was the... Well, is still periodically, although it's a different thing now. But, you know, it was the Games Workshop magazine, monthly magazine. 
And there were a bunch of other wargaming magazines in the UK. Things have shifted a bit. There have been bits of turnings and froings. But that re-incensed this childhood aspect. And the thing that I like about wargaming is the aesthetic. It's the aesthetic of painted miniatures being assembled in patterns and the various battle formations and kind of strategies that come through that. It's not something that I actively have. I have, as I probably said previously, about 800 finely painted miniatures that were painted by a variety of painters in the UK, mainly a fellow called Fred Reed, who unfortunately can't paint miniatures anymore. And I keep these in our attic. I've got you know various metal containers and things and padding, and they're stored up in our attic. And really, I don't take them out very frequently. Maybe once every four years, I'll take them out and have a look at them. More, you know, the rules, and still I purchase occasional toy soldiers on eBay, occasional toy soldiers from the 1980s. But yeah, that's really the nature of wargaming for me in terms of how I got into it. In some regard, because I'd go to the war memorial with my father, and my father's father had fought in the 8th Army, and as people who listen to this podcast know, I have my grandfather's war photos that I'm putting now into the baseball card archive plastics as a means of preserving them for future generations. In any case, a rather rambling account of my interest in toy soldiers Tom Barbelay and San Jose signing out.